Greetings, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in for another great episode of our ATA CLD podcast. Today, joining us is Mr. James Phillips. He is the director of PCT Translation Division at World Intellectual Property Organization, otherwise known as WIPO. Now, I want to give you a little background information about WIPO and PCT. WIPO is the global forum for intellectual property services, policy, information, and cooperation. It is a self-funding agency of the United Nations with 193 member states. And PCT is short for Patent Cooperation Treaty. The PCT is an international treaty with more than 150 contracting states. It makes it possible to seek patent protection for an invention simultaneously in a large number of countries by filing a single international patent application instead of filing several separate national or original patent applications. So for example, say I am a Japanese inventor. If I file one single international patent application under the PCT, my patent would be protected, not just in Japan, but simultaneously in all of the contracting states specified in the application. Now that we have a clearer understanding of what is what, let me come back to say a few more things about James. He is a translator himself, although for quite some time he's been in the management role. As the director of PCT Translation Division, he, um, he just runs the whole division. It's truly a pleasure to have you with us, James. Can I just start by asking, what type of translations do the translators do? We tend to translate highly technical documents, uh, abstracts, small individual descriptions of patent applications, and also uh, patent, what they call patentability reports, which are kind of reports that tell somebody who's invented something uh, what the likelihood of, of that actually becoming a published patent is. Uh, I, I see. So what are the language pairs that uh, WIPO PCT um, is, is working with? Or are they okay, all? So yeah. It depends on the, the document type. So with the abstract, which is the small description of the invention, we, we translate those into ten, the 10 language, what we call the 10 languages of the PCT. That's the six UN languages. Uh, plus German, oh, oh, we nearly always forget ones, so I have to be very careful, uh, German, Korean, uh, Portuguese, and Japanese, uh, plus the six UN languages, which are English, Arabic, uh, Spanish, Russian, I'm going to forget one of these now, aren't I? <laughs> I can't remember which ones I've been through now. So yeah, I mean, what, what it means is, for, from a translation point of view, so the abstracts are translated into English and French, and then the, the uh, patentability reports that we translate uh, translated just into English. Uh, so they'll be in the original, their original language and into English. So what it means for a, from a translation perspective is that we handle some of the languages that are outside the six languages of the UN, for example. So if you're a German or Japanese or Korean translator uh, that, and you translate from those directions into English, then you might be of interest to us. Uh, whereas most of the UN, it just operates within the six, six languages. Uh, most of the activities, there, there's certain 
organizations in the UN that handle a huge number of languages. Uh, but generally speaking, a lot of the translation revolves around those six major UN languages. Right. Well, not to discount the importance of other language pairs, certainly, uh, I suspect the Chinese-English language pair is in high demand, given how China recently, or rather for quite quite a while, has shifted uh, their um, economic model from more of a manufacturing to high technology invention and then uh, being creative, mm-hmm. coming up with new things. Um, so I would imagine that uh, Chinese side um, has put in a lot of uh, patent applications and is that is that the case yeah yeah that that's that's exactly right yeah I and mean, over the last few years there has been a, an explosion if you like in 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 the number of applications that we handle from china so yeah we have much more chinese to english translation than we did have previously uh, we also have a lot of japanese and a lot of korean so that there's been a lot of growth in the asian languages in the three asian languages that we handle over the last 10 years uh, and I think most of that, that, that that's the, the Chinese, Chinese has grown at a much faster rate than the other languages as well. So, yeah, that's something that we have to manage here. And that kind of explains why I'm often active <laughs> at, the, at various conferences trying to speak to Chinese translators. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite, a, quite an important language combination for us. That's great to hear. Uh, what about all these language pairs? Does Wipol PCT translation division have all of these translators in-house? Or do they, I know probably for Chinese or Japanese and uh, these high demand language pairs, you might have someone in-house, but do you have all of the language pairs working from within the organization? We have a, a combination. So in the main, we, we outsource to translation agencies. I think something like 91% of our work is outsourced to, to translation agencies. Uh, we also have a small number, or not, not that small, but uh, we, we have a number of individual contractors uh, that we employ directly. Uh, most of the individual contractors have come through the fellowship program. So if you come into the fellowship program for Chinese, for example, Chinese to English, then there's a very good chance that that would be followed up with an an individual contract upon completion of the fellowship program. Uh, That doesn't always happen, but but, the fellowship program has been going for a number of years now. I think it works quite well. Uh, People get exposed to a lot of technology and exposed to a lot of experience, have a good training experience while they're here. And they, they, people generally really like it, I would say. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that most of the individuals that we use are people that pass through the fellowship. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we have a combination. We, we, have a, we like to keep a balance of not just having uh, outsourcing to translation agencies. For We've got a number of reasons for that. But, but one of the reasons is that it's also helpful for us to have contacts with individual translators. And then maybe if we have positions become available at WIPO later, if someone's been working on an external contract for us for a while, or they're already very familiar with the work. So yeah, they would probably have a reasonable chance when, or it would have improved their chances when when an actual full-time position comes up. 
And I think for a lot of us, uh, for our listeners out there who might want to try technical translation, pattern translation, this sounds like an awesome opportunity. Um, I want to ask you about your opinion on machine translation. And for the past decade or so, this machine translation has wedged itself into the language service industry. Yeah. And then it certainly has earned its seats uh, the, the, with the stride it's been making powered by AI. It can handle a lot of translation tasks. Once you have a determined or domain or identified domain, then it's rather easy to train the machine uh, translation engine. And then the, the output that it produces can be of pretty good quality. Now, I would think that yeah. technical translation, pattern translation, it's semi-legal sort of language. So I would think that uh, it, the domain is rather defined. Now, how does machine translation work with technical patent translation, in your opinion? And do you see that affecting uh, WIPO PCT's translation division uh, needing uh, human translators in the future? I think, uh, generally speaking, machine translation handles easier content well. Uh, I think it struggles a lot with difficult content. That's not different to a human translator, to be honest. Uh, I mean, if a good human translator will, will handle difficult content very well. I think it's interesting what you say about the domains. I think if, if you talk about context, if, if you imagine, if you tightly control the context, then you can get machine translation to work very well. Uh, to give an example, uh, you may have an app on your phone that, that handles the kind of language that would come up when you're in a restaurant, for example. So if the waiter comes up to you and says something, there's only a there's a fairly limited number of things that the waiter's likely to say to you. There's a fairly limited number of things you're likely to say back. Uh, so if you have machine translation like that, you can translate it on those commonly used things in that particular situation. Uh, and on, on that level, yeah, I think machine translation works very well. So it's obviously got lots of real life applications that are useful to people. Uh, one, th one thing that I'd say about what we do is an invention can be absolutely anything. It can be any kind of field. It can be any, literally anything. So you've got a, a huge span of subjects. We've tried the people that produce machine translation at WIPO, uh, variations where they've tried to target specific domains. So yeah, I mean, there's benefits and disadvantages to both approaches, I think. With the way some of the technology has changed in MT, I think we're finding you know, a large corpus and covering a large range at the same time is, is also quite effective. For, for us, what's maybe more interesting uh, from a technology point of view as well is we're kind of obsessed with quality estimation. I feel there's always a role for the human translator because some translation is very difficult. It's extremely difficult to automate and you need a human in the middle somewhere. Even when you're building systems, it's the same with AI. If you're building AI systems, you want them to work effectively. You need a human in, involved in there somewhere, and they need to be really good at what they're doing. So I think if you're good at translation and you've honed your skills and you've made sure that you're very good at it, there will always be a role for a translator, I think, either in translation itself or in maybe working in AI or, or whatever. Uh, Netflix subtitles, I believe they're quite topical at the moment, but I think there's always a role. It's a question of where the technology comes in. So we, we, pay, we spend a lot of time working on algorithms to try and work out what translations will be easy and what, which ones will be difficult. Because if we know that, then we can 
do the translation much more cheaply because we can use a cheaper option for the ones that we see as being easy. And then we keep the, the more expensive options focused on, on the difficult translation. That aspect of the technology is very interesting for us. It might be interesting for translators maybe, but with the, the quality estimation, we started looking at that in 2016. So we started building up data. And when we were first doing it, everybody kind of, it was definitely not mainstream in the, in the machine translation industry. And there were a lot of arguments about the, the validity of it and whether we should be doing it. And, and you know, so some people kind of thought we were a bit mad to be doing it, but it's been interesting over the last five years. I think it's, it's now it's got much more mainstream. So. I see. I have this misconception about WIPO's translation work but talking to you certainly cleared that up for me. I thought the patent law related language was rather formulaic and it would be easy for machines to do the job. Uh, but now what I'm understanding is that WIPO just uses mainly human translators, although you do think machine translation has come a long way. And then the reason for the human translators is the subject matters of these inventions could be really from anything to everything, maybe from like an electric car battery to some cutting edge medical device. In a way, they're just completely unpredictable. So it would be nearly impossible for machines to do as good of a job as human translators. Yeah, I think when the text is difficult, it, it gets very difficult for the machine. I think a lot there's a lot of connection with how well the text is written. Mm. Uh, so if a text is really well written, then then it then it can be a lot easier, obviously, as I'm sure you're sure you're aware. Well, before I say goodbye to James and to all our listeners out there, I want to circle back to the fellowship. It sounds like yeah. a gateway to to gain all this experience, to get exposure to technical translation, to patent translation. Yeah, the program itself is tailored towards people that have recently graduated from the masters. So I would say if you if you've graduated from the masters in the, in the last one or two years, then then it's it's definitely for you because the content's been specifically targeted at profile of person. Uh, when we evaluate all the applications, we usually have a, a translation test for the translation, and a terminology test for the terminology. Uh, we also have a technical specialist program, which we haven't we've had a little bit of we haven't retreated as much onto recently, and we also have a, a, a small path on translation technology as well. If you're on the translation program, you'll have a translation test. The translation tests are evaluated anonymously. We have no idea who's who. And then at the end, uh, literally a, a list of names will pop out at the end and we don't find out until the end who the people actually are. I would encourage everybody, anybody that's interested to apply to them. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, now people, you've heard it from the big guy himself. So put <laughs> in your application. <laughs> so uh, get on with it. It sounds like a good opportunity and it sounds but really usually, fun. I mean, maybe I should mention, we usually launch the program around about the end of February. Mm -hmm. So February, March, we'll, we'll be running the next, the next intake. So. Okay. Um, thank you very much for this wealth of information. Um, it is very informative, very enlightening, at least to me, and I hope our listeners feel the same way. Thank you so much for your time, James. And I want to thank you too, our listeners. Until next time. Bye now.